0: Stop the Lord! One voice he sings so. Good. All saints, be you Your great name, Your kingdom forever will stand. We won't be shaken. Duggery. Mm-hmm. on that cursed tree His body bound and drenched in tears front to the back we sing and oh of- 对
1: give God a hand, how awesome he is. So there's a quote that I want to, I want to read, uh, just for us. And and it's from my head, I don't have anything to read, (laughs) but it's, it's a quote by A.W. Tozer. And it says this, it says a proper understanding of God released 10,000 temporal problems. I don't know about you. Anybody got issues in the house? I got temporal problems left and right all over the place. And it says a proper understanding of who God is. And I think about Ecclesiastes 5.2 says this. God is in heaven, I am here on earth, so let my words be few. Coming from Solomon, wealthy, probably a good-looking guy, got, had things together in world standards, and he's going, I'm just going to step aside and remind myself of how big God is. And so worship is so cool because it's it's an understatement, the word cool, but it's so amazing to say, you know what, God, you are so big, and your truth is so strong and so powerful, and it's just amazing to sit back and just say things like, you know, God's, Jesus is coming back and just to, to see, to see that. Yeah. Come on. We can get excited about that. Come on. You guys sound so good. FYI, too. can just say that. So we want to welcome you. We're glad you're here and just know that this is a place you can belong. And so even if you're just checking us out for this weekend, just know you're a part of this family and we just love you and appreciate you and excited that you're here. And uh, if you're brand new with us, please, please, please come find us at the Next Steps area before you leave. And we want to give you something for free. And we also want to know your story. Even if you're just coming through, just say, hey, I'm you know, out of town or visiting somebody. We just would love to uh, for you to know that you have a family here in Finleyville, Pennsylvania. Uh, another thing, too, I just want to make a couple highlights. And one is we have an interest meeting um, on May 6th for our children's ministry. And we have this incredible opportunity to not just bring more people into the ministry, but to say, Hey, as a church, we have an opportunity to raise up the next generation, raise up those who are going to take, take the spots on stage, take the spots in the back who are future leaders. And we're really excited about that. And so we have a problem here at Crossroads. We have too many kids. Can we get an amen for that? Come on. And so we have this interest meeting. This is a training and an interest meeting. So even if you're like, "Hey, I kind of think I want to check things out." Hey, come 6:30 in the canopy room on May 6th. No strings attached. Just come hear, hear what's going on in Children's Ministry. And even if you're like, "Hey, I could do two, I could do two times uh, a week or sorry, two times a month or I could do one time a month or something like that." Just jump in and get involved and we have a really great opportunity to to just lay this foundation you know for the for the future of these kids and so we have a really exciting opportunity here and I want to share one more thing and as I, as you watch this video I want you to pass the friendship folders down the aisle just reach in front of you and grab that blue uh, navy blue book and just sign it and pass it down the aisle and check out this video out there that says that people who are checking out the church or checking out, uh, you know, a a place of community like ours, they'll come maybe for five years to these kind of events before they even will step foot through those doors. And so we have an opportunity as a church to say, Hey, to our community, Hey, we're not just this weird building on a hill of weird people. I don't know, I'm pretty weird. So maybe it makes you feel better about yourself. But anyway, we have an opportunity to say to our community, hey, we're for you. We are all about you. And even if it's just a safe place for three hours on June 15th, we're having our June Jamboree. Even if it's just for three hours, come, and we're going to have an awesome time of just laughing and hearing from the band and having inflatables for all ages this year. We're going to have um, some more inflatables for older kids this year, which we haven't had in the past, and we are really excited. They're incredible. We'll start showing pictures and videos as the weeks go on. But June 15th is the actual event, and, and right after the second service, right after this service, in here, 1215 to 115, start to stop. It will be one hour of your time. We're going to cast a vision for this opportunity we have this event and get everybody connected. Um, asking questions like, hey, how can I serve? What can I do? What can I donate? And so that's going to be right after the second service uh, today. And we're really excited. One hour start to stop, and we're going to have uh, just a time of vision casting and sharing how we can all get involved as a church and lock arms and love our community and be for them. Um, as the ushers come forward for our morning offering, I just want to just share, uh, you know, we just have had a lot of, of exciting things here at Crossroads and not just a bunch of programs, but we have had baptisms like left and right. So can we give God just a hand, like just seeing these life change stories? We're about to hear another one. And what's so powerful about all this happening is it is not by our doing. It's by the fact that God is on the move. Lives are being changed. And so... As we go to prayer this morning, we're going to make Jesus the number one priority. And so no matter where you're at, no matter what your story is, just know we value you and we're so thankful that you're here to you join me in prayer. God, we love you. And it is amazing and humbling to just, just now, God, we just are sitting in your presence. You're here with us. God, I, I don't know everybody's story. I don't know the hurt from this morning, the, the crazy car ride here of, you know, throwing clothes on the kids and getting them in the van and, you know, trying to buckle seatbelts and move the Cheerios and, God, all the craziness that happens when we're trying to get here. God, I don't know all of that. I don't know the, the hurt at work. I don't know the relational problems. But, God, you do. So God, I, I pray that even just now that, that, that there would be peace uh, in this space. God, that people would just sense your presence. God, sense that you're here, that you're moving. And God, I just know that there's so much disunity in our culture, God, just left and right and just been more aware of it than ever before just just this last month or so. God, there's so much disunity. God, there's fighting left and right. And Lord, we have an opportunity as your people to be a living example of, of unity because we have commonality in one and that is jesus and so god while the world is watching people being torn to pieces left and right families churches communities got all these different just spaces and people being just split down the middle god we have an opportunity to rise up as your church as your people to say we follow jesus and we have so much that we don't have commonality in but we have commonality in one and that is jesus christ And so, God, we give now to that mission to see more people's lives changed and transformed by Jesus Christ in Finleyville, in our city of Pittsburgh, in our states, and in this country. Thank you for finding us, kicking the walls down, pursuing us, and shedding light on the darkest point of our lives and just saving us through your son, Jesus Christ. Thank you for loving us first. We just love you so much, Jesus. In your name, amen.
0: sing, I'll stand with arms high and heart abandoned. So you join me and stand, sing this out. I'm not asking you to worship out of what is fake or out of emotion. I'm asking you to worship out of what you know is true. So sing it. So I'll stand, we are God, we praise you. That's the truth in our life. We stand on all of who you are. God, do something great in this service this morning. Soften our hearts as we hear your word. God, there's stories in this room all over the place. And so this morning we get to hear just one of them. But we're excited as this continues that, that we can dig deeper and know you just a little bit more. God, we thank you. We love you. In Jesus' name. Amen.
2: Thank you, Lisa and uh, Skyler and Eric and Mike and Zach, for leading us in worship today. Isn't it a great day to be here at Crossroads here in Finleyville? And uh, thank you, Lord. Well, this this morning we're actually going to hear about two stories, both a part of history. One is recorded in what we have as our Bible, and the other is going to be live and before us today. And everyone in this room, you also have a story. Your story has been written over time. It may never be published. You may never be on the big screen. You may never feel like your story will ever match up to most stories. But nonetheless, you have a story. And we're going to read about the first story that we're going to share today. In Luke chapter 19, verse 5 through 7, we read, And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus? "'Hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today.' So he hurried and came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all grumbled. He is gone to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. And in verse 10, Jesus said, "'For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost.'" Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem, and he chose to pass through Jericho. Jericho was a prosperous city. It had great palm forests and it had balsam, uh, world famous balsam groves, and it perfumed the air around them for miles. Its gardens of roses were known far and wide. The Romans carried it to dates, its dates in balsam to worldwide trade and fame. Luke shared the account of a man by the name of Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus was not only a tax collector, he was a chief tax collector. And the Jews hated men like him. And some of you are thinking, boy, I hate tax collectors too. This was not only due to their natural dislike of taxes, but more so because of the practice known as tax farming. It was simply the collector made his profit on whatever extra he could get away with charging the victims. They would say, these are taxes you should pay. However, we would like a little bit more so this is what you must pay. He wanted to see Jesus, but, but could not because of the large crowd of people and because he was height-deprived. And some of you know Wally Knoll. During the first service, he asked me, he said, Al, do I need to put a milk crate on the stage for you uh, as you stand behind the, uh, you know, the podium? And I said, well, Wally, maybe you just want to pick me up and I can speak that way. So I understand what it's like to be height-deprived. And some of you may understand that. But he was not going to get a front seat in front of people because people hated him anyway. And he would not be able to see if he were behind people. And he wanted to see Jesus. The name Zacchaeus means pure one. Can you imagine? This man was anything but pure. He was an arrogant extortionist, thinking only of himself, his wealth, And public dominance. Perhaps Zacchaeus had heard that Jesus accepted people like him. And he wanted to see this remarkable man for himself. He might have been small in stature. But that did not stop him from wanting to see Jesus. And he did something that most would have thought below the dignity of a grown man. He climbed up into that sycamore tree. Just like a little boy might do. But you know what's really amazing? In Matthew chapter 18, verse 3, we read, Unless you turn and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. When Jesus came to that tree, he looked up and saw and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down for today am my stay at your house. Jesus called Zacchaeus by name. Jesus knew the importance of a man's name. Zacchaeus may have never heard anyone besides his mother say his name in a kind manner, such as Jesus did. Saying his name made all the difference. Jesus knew him. He knew his hurts, his habits, and his hang-ups. He knew the good, bad, and ugly of Zacchaeus' life. He knew of his sinful and deplorable ways. I believe Jesus was saying, I know you, Zacchaeus, and today I've come to lay claim on you. And Jesus knows your name too. Jesus knew the importance of a name. John chapter 10, verse 3 records, Jesus is saying to him, the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. God told the prophet Jeremiah, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Jesus didn't want to confront and condemn him. He wanted Zacchaeus to experience an intimate, loving, real, and unhindered relationship with him. Imagine the hated outcast hanging out with the creator of the universe, Emmanuel, God with us. The early church was despised for its acceptance of outcasts, but the early Christians regarded this as something glorious, not shameful, because they understood that everybody that God ever created had value to God. Sometimes people will struggle with that. They will decide Who God may redeem and who God may not redeem. Who has hope in the eyes of God and who does not have hope in the eyes of God. Sometimes it's because of the past experiences we've had with different people. Sometimes it's just simply because of what we've heard or what we think or what we feel. But the reality is this. God said, it is not my will that anyone should perish." Everyone God ever created, God would desire to be a part of his family. That's not the case. But if God had his choice, if God had his choice, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 28-29, through 29, God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are, so that no human being... Might boast in the presence of God. Jesus did not force himself into Zacchaeus's life. And he did not force himself into Zacchaeus's house. He will not impose his will. And force his way into your life either. Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. And would he be received into the city with joy. And we know that is a triumphal entry. Here in Jericho... He had a different entry, and that was into the heart of just one man. The public sinner, the outcast, the hopeless one. But Jesus passed by, and Jesus made the difference. In Luke chapter 19, verse 7 through 8, we read, And when they saw it, they all grumbled. He has gone in to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore fourfold. Zacchaeus cheerfully offered to do as much or even more than the law required or demanded. The promise to make restitution to anyone he had wronged was remarkable. Considering the way he had made his money, that list would not be a very short list. Can a life change this quickly? Absolutely. Not every habit in the life of Zacchaeus changed immediately, I am sure. Adam's with me today, and Adam's one of the team members for Celebrate Recovery here at Crossroads. And sometimes when you hear about something like that, you think, well, it must be for those people. Well, the reality is this. Everyone is one of those people. Because we all have hurts, hang-ups, and habits. We tend to look at what we think it should be. And the reality, God knows what it really is. But his heart changed, and that was a start to life transformation. Love for Jesus and his love for us can motivate us for greater things than legalism guilt or manipulation could ever do. The reality is this. We will never force anyone to change. And we ourselves will never be forced to change. There will never be enough guilt or manipulation laid on to make it happen. It may happen just for a few moments. But just give it a few moments and it will change. Jesus said, the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. That is why he extended friendship to a notorious sinner like Zacchaeus. Jesus came precisely to save people like him. Just like me and just like you. We may not be so notorious. We may never be written about. We may never be seen by thousands. But our sins have separated us from the very one who came to seek and to save those who were lost Jesus. Zacchaeus seeking Jesus was the result of Jesus seeking Zacchaeus. And today I've asked my friend Adam Stasco to come and share with us his story.
3: Hi, my name's Adam. I thought after the third time of doing this this weekend, it'd be a little bit easier, but not. Uh, Go pens. So some of you have heard my baptism from a couple years ago. It's uh, my testament to my baptism. I'm just going to read it to you. My name is Adam, but it wasn't always that way. My birth name was Dwayne Adam Kirby. I guess God wanted the Adam to stick. When I got to elementary school, I noticed something was different about my name. I noticed that my family called me Adam, but my teachers called me Dwayne. My mother was the one to tell me the story of why I've had two names. She told me that when I was roughly two years old, my biological father threatened my mother's life and mine, and that he was sent to prison. I never met him, but I pray for God to be with him. My mother, Joanne, then remarried my stepfather now, Wayne Stasco, who became my stepfather. He adopted me and changed my name, to Wayne adams Dasco and we became father and son. Both my parents raised me to the best of their abilities, and for what you're about to hear, their abilities will be put to the test. Going through kindergarten to almost fifth grade, I was told that I was gifted and smart. I was always athletic and loved physical activities. I am uncertain why I was taken out of public school and placed in a religious school setting. It may have been because I was starting my struggles. But I knew nothing about God, and truthfully, I didn't want to know. As a family, we did attend some church services, usually Easter and Christmas. I went through some groups and took some classes, but only knew God as a monster above me, punishing me if I didn't confess and continuing repetitive prayers. He just seemed controlling and mean, not a father I wanted to know, at least not for me at this age. I knew no truth in my heart, I attended and did what was asked of me, only to get through it. When I was around seven to eight years old, I pulled away hard from the church. No one was planting this seed in any dirt. I soon started hanging with some older and rougher crowds. I'm not saying I blame them for my struggles to come. I wanted to be in this mud. By the ages of nine through ten, I started smoking. Not exactly tobacco, but little straw weeds that I would find along the railroad tracks. These tracks will become my path and my road for years to come. As nasty and harsh as smoking those little weeds were, I pressed through only wanting more. I soon started what would be a 20-year addiction to cigarettes and tobacco products. I stole from my parents money to provide for my habits. I stole from any store I could. I even manipulated a small drugstore into believing that the shorthand-written notes that I wrote were actually from my mother asking for me to purchase cigarettes for her. I was a real piece of work. I wasn't sure where God was at this time, nor did I care, but my troubles grew greatly over the years. Stealing became full-time work. Idle hands truly are the devil's playground. Between the ages 11 and 13, I started smoking marijuana and drinking all sorts of alcohol. This had a huge hold on me, and I believed that no harm was to come from this simple weed. Down the tracks I go again. By this time, I was skipping school and gave up on almost all of my schooling except for sports. I loved football, wrestling and track. For the years I played as a youth, I excelled greatly. I was all-star in the midget program, first and second runner up in track. I say second because of the hurdles. I could never quite get over those hurdles correctly. Like the hurdles of life, I just ran through them or around them, only to find myself more tripped up. I would soon give up on all family, school, sports, and life, to trace my drug of choice and alcohol addiction. Right between the ages of 14 and 15, I first used cocaine, LSD, and pills. I was a garbage can and was later told that my substance abuse was called polysubstance abuse, meaning that I would use anything and everything, even all at once. By the ages of 16 to 17, cocaine wasn't enough and I turned to crack cocaine. Imagine a kid barely being old enough to drive, smoking crack cocaine. This became a new love for me and ultimately my drug of choice. I smoked crack for roughly 15 years, off and on, more on than off. The use of this drug led me to steal more and more and bigger and more expensive items. Vehicles, jewelry, house and business robberies were the norm. Please understand that I do not glorify the drugs or activities. I share this story with you for God's story, not mine. I am ashamed of my past, even knowing that Jesus forgave it. How amazing is that? That what I have done in his sight and what I will continue to do, that he will forgive me, and even greater, die for a sinner like me. Now I'm seeing a God that I want to know. With my drug and alcohol use and theft growing... I slowly started losing all that I had well at least all that I could see for I will soon learn that Jesus was and will always be there with me I dropped out of school under two conditions one that I received my GED and I did that summer I dropped out very early the second was that I get a job this too I achieved I started in construction mainly roofing where I found my gift being the youngest on the crew I did everything to fit in Between 18 and 20, I was able to enter into almost every bar, and this became home for me. I knew everyone and each owner to every place. I had my usual seat and my usual drink and always a friend to talk to. As I lived with low self-esteem and a feeling of being unwanted, these people, places, and things were a comfort to me. Through my 20s, my addiction escalated. I had many girlfriends and dates on and off and he eventually had my daughter, Julia, at the age of 29. Little did I know that my life struggles, addictions, and abusive behaviors would lead to very little time with her 10 years later. When Julia was about 18 months old, I physically and emotionally abused her mother, and she left and took Julia with her. By this time, my past slammed right into me. I had a number of DUIs that caught up with me along with a felony theft charge of stealing from my loving grandmother to support my drug use. I was now homeless for nine months. Two of those months were in the winter season. I lived by any means possible. I found open vehicles to crawl in and keep warm, an open church down the street to stay off the streets, and even lived under the train trestle. Those tracks soon became my home. I had Kate I occasionally broke into my stepfather's house seeking food. I even got caught once. As I left the food on the table and started out the door in shame, he stopped me and told me, told me to take what I was stealing from him and ask it, asked if I needed anything else. Thank you, Father. I would soon come to learn that if our earthly father is a good, how much greater could my heavenly father be? My mother... When well, she was very sick at this time, a disease close to stiff man, MS. She was heavily medicated and struggled to go through her pain. In 2007, she took her life on Christmas night. I was to find her cold and alone the next day. I truly believe now that I had no one to love me. Roughly one to two years after my mother's death, I was arrested on the felony theft charges of robbing my grandmother. I was given a one to two year sentence in the state penitentiary for my third DUI and the felony theft charges followed with a five year parole probation sentence. I served just short of one month of my two years and this is where I knew it had to end. I woke up on Easter morning almost nine years ago on my knees in a prison cell. I cried out and sought God to the best of my ability. I had a small black Bible in my cell the same as the one that I carry today. I read and read and thought about that deer panting for water. He wasn't even close to what I was thirsting for. After all, I had a God-shaped hole in my heart that any Jesus could fill. I found that Jesus is God and that God is Jesus, both equal in one spirit, and I wanted all three. I found that mean controlling God that I thought of, he didn't exist. That my God, my Father, was merciful, gracious, And most of all, loving. After all, what father would go to prison with his child for almost two years? It's amazing where our Lord and King will go to be with someone. I can say that my prison sentence was a blessing. I can't tell you the date that I received Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, but I can say by his word alone did I see the way, the truth, and the life. This last Easter, I had nine years clean from all drugs and alcohol, and eight years clean from all tobacco products. I've owned and operated a successful construction business for seven years, built and owned my own home, and have two rentals. Praise God, as his word says, if anyone be in Christ, they are a new creature, old things have passed, and behold, all things have become new. I I have a long walk ahead of me and some new struggles to work through, but now I know I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Thank you for letting me share his story.
2: Thank you, Adam. Wow. His mercy and his grace. Well, if you've been here for the last several weeks of the Clyde series, you may be thinking, these stories are amazing. They're inspiring, and they're so far beyond... Beyond my story, Eric McIlvaney, an Annapolis grad, a marine, amputee, wounded warrior, Ironman participant and finisher, Christ follower, Daniel and Anita Gonzalez, missionaries to Ecuador, overcoming tumultuous obstacles, impacting lives of hundreds and thousands for Jesus, and now today, Adam Stasco, addicted, homeless, Imprisoned, redeemed, transformed, business owner? Or maybe this is your first time with us for the Glide series. It does not matter because you matter to God. Jesus will not force His way into your life and He will not force your life to change. Change is a choice. He is willing to do for you what you yourself will never be able to do for you. In Ephesians chapter 2, and verse 8 through 10, we read, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand, that we should walk in them. According to his word, We are told for a believer in Jesus Christ, you are God's masterpiece, not a mistake. You are a precious jewel to God, not a piece of junk jewelry. We're told being confident that he who began a good work in you will continue to perform it until the appearing of Jesus Christ. I encourage you, do not be consumed by the stories of others. Believing that you yourself do not have a story. You have a story. Years ago, I was with a group of middle school students on a trip to designed design to help them be able to write out their story of faith and share it with others. There's one young girl came to me and she said, Al, she said, I have a problem. I don't have a story. I said, You don't have a story. She said, No. I said, so are you telling me you're not a follower of Jesus or you just don't have a story? She said, well, I asked Jesus into my life when I was a young girl, but I don't have a story. And I said, so probably what you're telling me, you've never smoked. She said, no. You never drank alcohol? No. You never took drugs? No. So I said, so you don't have a story. She said, correct, I don't have a story. And I said, well, could you please tell me, like, how did you become a Christian? What what took place? Because you don't have a story. I said, or maybe it's just God said, you are so good that you don't need what I have for everyone else. I'll just take you just as you are. Because you're perfect. You're the best. And she said, no, no, no. She said, I knew that I'd sinned. She said, not not the big stuff. But there was a lot of little stuff. And I said, like stealing a cookie. I said, that's a pretty big sin. That's that's theft. And she, you know, her eyes got real big. And then she said, I knew I'd sinned. And I knew I needed forgiveness. And I wanted Jesus to be my savior. As she's sharing her story. I started to cry. Because the reality is. Anybody with a story like Adam's. And there's others in this room today. You would give anything to have a story. Saying. I don't have a story. Because with the glamorous Stuff that sometimes people see it as being more glamorous. There's a lot of baggage. That's why Adam said he doesn't glorify what he had done. It's because of what Jesus Christ has done. There's a man watching us live today. His name's Ron Barwell. Ron had a very godly mom, and there's a lot of people in this room or in our church who, who knew his mom. She prayed for Ron for a long time, and Ron struggled and he rejected the gospel. He rejected the fact that God would want him or forgive him. It was later in life that Ron finally came to that place and he allowed Jesus to invade his life. He received his forgiveness and his love. Today Ron's at home on hospice. He's waiting that moment when he'll go to be with the Lord. His story drastically changed because he allowed Jesus Christ to invade his life. You might think your story, your journey with Jesus is not so compelling. You might have forgotten, gotten distracted and forgotten you even have a story with Jesus. Or you might be here and ready to collide with Jesus today. Don't allow fear to keep you from responding to a beautiful collision with Jesus Christ. I love what Adam said. What father would go to prison with his child for almost 2 years our abba father our daddy don't allow fear to keep you from taking a step in his direction fear will imprison you and faith in Christ will liberate you fear will paralyze you fear in Christ will empower you fear will dishearten you fear in Christ will encourage you first john chapter 4 verse 18 tells us there's no fear in love perfect love casts out all fear. If you're here today and you've never received the forgiveness from Christ that he offers and his love, I encourage you today, say yes to Jesus Christ. If you're here today and maybe you think, I don't have much of a story, trust me, you have a story. God knows your name. God's been helping write that story in your life. And God will use your story. Just like these other stories have been used to impact lives. To impact lives. Let's pray. If you're here today and you've never received Jesus Christ as your Savior. You don't know for sure. You're forgiven and you'll spend eternity with the Lord in in heaven forever and ever. And they'll walk with you unashamedly. I invite you today to receive Jesus Christ as your Savior. I'm going to encourage you to pray with me. Transfer your trust from you unto him. Dear Jesus, I know that I have sinned. And Jesus, I ask you to forgive me of my sin. Come into my life and be my savior. Jesus, thank you that you'll be the one to continue to write my story with you. For others, there may be decisions you need to take it might be the next step with baptism or or something else sharing your faith i don't know all i know is god is writing stories all over this room today and he definitely wants to be a huge part of your story thank you dear jesus for who you are for all you've done and what you're going to continue to do we love you in jesus name
0: and we stand and respond, sing together. I'll sing.